Folks, before we jump into today's highlights, I just have to ask you, do you want to put 50 years of baseball history in your pocket? I know what you're thinking. It's not going to fit, but it really will because it's all in audio format. These are lost pieces of baseball history told to you from baseball cathedrals. They're, they're told to you by icons of the game from Red Barber, Ernie Howell to Harry Carey. I get goosebumps personally listening to these games and even thinking about the interviews and what these players are going to share with me. I know what you're thinking. Is this AI? Are there bots? Is there some magic potion here that are making these things appear? And I'm telling you, they're not. These games are real. They were done by real people at that specific moment in time. All the iconic moments, the interviews, none of it's reproduced, none of it's AI. It's all real, but done again by real people. If you want to check them out, uh, there's a free intro offer. Jump on over to VintageBaseballReflections.com. And there's over 2,500 audio clips and games for you to put in your pocket, take on walks with you, hang around the fireplace and listen, put them on the porch, invite some friends over. However you want to listen, you're going to be able to listen in these amazing moments in baseball history. Use this coupon this day for a special gift at the checkout. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Fenway Park. This is Mark Fidrich now. He's trying to get the ball back. You'll see him mumble a couple of words to the ball. The first man ever to pitch five career no-hitters. Catch him all, Joe! I don't believe what I just saw! Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Boys and girls, we invite you to rise. We invite you to rise. Hey fans, welcome to the Daily Rewind. My name's Tom Hannon and I'm your host. The Daily Rewind is brought to you by thisdayinbaseball.com. Thisdayinbaseball.com is a treasure chest full of baseball events and we bring you everything from the thrill of victory to the agony of defeat and every milestone and oddball event in between. As you're going to hear t- today, this is a very odd event. And I find stuff like this every day, and it's just amazing to me. Uh, It's a lot more than the written word. We have thousands of videos, audio, and images to go along with all the stories. Now, on March 28, 1913, the St. Louis Browns make a very unusual trade, sending infielder Clyde Buzzy Wares to the Montgomery Rebels a minor league team in exchange for a rental of a stadium. That's right, a player for a stadium uh, happens every day, right? (laughs) So the uh, Montgomery Rebels will allow the Browns to use their stadium during spring training uh, rent-free for the use of Clyde Buzzy Wares. Now, the Southern Association Class A team will return the 26-year-old infielder to the Browns later in the season, and he will make his Major League debut on September 15, 1913, against the Boston, I think they were the Braves at the time, but they may have been the Bees, and he goes 0 for 1. Where will play part of the 1913 and 1914 season for St. Louis and hang around in the minors until 1920. 
But there's a little bit more to the story because the Browns didn't tell Wares about the deal until the last minute. And when he was called into the manager's office on the last day of spring training, he thought it was to tell him that he made the team based on his strong play. However, skipper George Stovall informed Wears that he was staying in Montgomery, telling him, you're the payment for our grounds rental. Now, he would play over 250 games for Montgomery over the span of two seasons, and you can check out his stats in the show notes. Uh, Baseball Reference has minor league stats for him, and they're a little bit fuzzy, but, uh, but it's still pretty cool to see. Just a few years later, a young Browns executive named Branch Rickey would try to purchase the Montgomery team in an effort to establish the first affiliated minor league system. The takeover attempt would fail and cost Rickey his job with the Browns. The Crosstown Cardinals quickly scooped him up and used Ricky's creation of the affiliation system to build the dominant Gas House Gang. Now, why does the Gas House Gang kind of circle back into this? Because one of the coaches for the three consecutive pennant-winning Gas House Gang was Buzzy Wares. Now, you can find out a lot more about today's events. We have over 70 events, 36 birthdays, 21 passings, including several Hall of Famers, um, Chuck Klein, Johnny Evers, and Come Posey on thisdayinbaseball.com slash March 28th. And because we love the Gas House Gang, uh, I'm going to bring you Dizzy Dean after my Stratomatic highlight reel. Now, as you know, Stratomatic's uh, doing a simulation for the season, uh, and this is the third day. This is uh, March 28th highlights, and it is a full docket of games. So I'm going to start uh, at the top, and we'll go from there. So Blake Snell hurls seven scoreless frames with nine Ks to lead the Rays over the Pirates, 9-2. Matt Chapman will go two for five with three RBIs, and Ramon Lorano will hit three doubles and have four RBIs, leading the A's to an explosive win over the Twins, 15-5. The Marlins use some small ball in a walk-off win over the Phillies. When Villar walks, he sacrificed bunted over Miguel Rojas. That's right, you heard it. A sacrifice bunt, setting the stages for Aguilar's walk-off single. Now, don't tell Bill James about the sacrifice bunt. Alvarez hits two home runs and five RBIs, leading Houston over the Angels 10-2, and no hit batsmen in the game. And former Red Sox David Price throws seven innings of no-run ball with 10 Ks, leading the Dodgers to a six-zip shutout over the Giants. The Giants uh, already have started 0-3. Back-to-back doubles in the 10th by Freddie Galvis and Tucker Barnhart led the Reds to a 6-5 walk-off win over the Cardinals. Tanka pitches six strong innings, and Ursula was 2-4 with a home run and four RBIs to lead the Yanks to their first win of the season over the Orioles 8-2. Jimenez hits two bombs in a losing effort for the White Sox as they fall to the Royals 9-5. And Gordon was all Detroit needed, going 2-4 with a home run and drove in all four runs in the Tiger 4-3 victory over the, over the Indians. And the Red Sox stay hot, winning their third straight over the Blue Jays. And after three days of simulated play, the A's, Rangers, Red Sox, and Dodgers are all 3-0, while the Nationals and Royals are both 2-0. Now, here is Dizzy Dean. Well, here he is again, folks, Dizzy Dean, brought to you by the makers of Johnson's Wax for Car New, the wax-fortified auto polish that cleans and polishes your car in one easy application. Howdy, folks. I want to congratulate you all on the fine, slick-looking cars I've been seeing lately. 
You all must have been taking that advice from Frank Ashton has been passing out every Saturday. Congratulations, everybody. Say, that's rather a long word, Mr. Dean, that you use. Next thing you know, you'll be felicitating your listeners. Not on your life, Frank. I got better manners than that. <laughs> but I did practice a lot on that congratulations, and it shows that practice will do. But I guess a guy that wrote me a letter last week was right. I got to be careful. Got to be careful about what, Diz? About them big words. He said, Dear Dizzy, I heard you the other night, and you used some mighty fancy words. Remember, if you ever get an education, you're ruined. <laughs> Don't worry about that, Diz. You won't be ruined. You're one of the most versatile persons I know. You'll always be able to adapt whatever you have, whatever you are, to the exigencies of the moment. That is to say, whatever it takes, you'll have. And, Diz, right now, what it takes is an answer to the mailbag and a good one today. Mr. James Allen of Chicago wants you to tell him what usually goes first with a ball player. That is, does he lose his ability to hit, to run, or throw when Father Time catches up with his big league career? To paraphrase that is, is it failing eyes, weary legs, or loss of pitching power that causes a big leaguer to know it's about time to look around for that old rocking chair? Brother, that's a large order, but it's a good question. I reckon it depends on a lot what you are doing on the ball field, Frank. Now, take me. I was all right till I got a sore arm. I still could uh, hit, and if it hadn't been for my arm, I'd tried for the outfield. I was a pretty good hitter, you know. But I guess Mr. Allen's thinking of players besides pitchers. Let's take a couple. I'll never forget Frankie Frisch, for instance, as he wound up a great career. There's a couple of stories on Frankie to give you an idea of what I mean. Dizzy Dean, the anecdote man. And that's a good way to answer the question, Diz. Proceed. It was one of those uh, midweek afternoons in St. Louis, Frank. You know, before they got around to playing mostly night baseball. The Cardinals wasn't in the race much that year, and there was only a few cash customers at this here ball game I'm talking about. You know, a nice quiet afternoon with no noise. Well, along about the eighth inning, Frisch decides he'd bat for the pitcher in the hopes of starting a rally. And as Frankie walked from the dugout, swinging a couple of bats, one of them leather-lunged guys in the grandstand broke the silence. He yelled out so you could hear him all over the ballpark. Come on, Father Time. <laughs> Frankie turns a little red in the face, but he was a quick man with a comeback. He walked up to the plate and says to Beans Red and the umpire, Beans, who, uh, who's that guy yelling at me? You or me? And Beans says, go ahead, hit, Frisch. You know who he's yelling at. I'm just a young fella. <laughs> this was that Frisch's last appearance. No, I'll never forget the guy, uh, the day Frisch really quit playing baseball. We was playing at Philadelphia, and Frankie was at second base that day. He could still hit, and he knew the hitters. He wasn't hurting the ball club any, but in the late innings, with Frisch on second and Terry Moore on first, Joe Medrick socks a base hit to right. When you're on baseline like that, you've got to be sure not to run until you're certain the ball ain't going to be caught. Anyhow, when Frisch finally seen that Medrick's hit was going safe, he took off for third. Boy, how Frisch was trying to run. He rounded third, but that time we was all scared Terry Moore was going to pass him and get called out. Terry was gaining on Frisch every step. And just as Frisch slid for the plate, Moore slid, too. And almost took an arm off of Frisch. <laughs> that was the end of the playing trail for the old Fordham Flash. He got to his feet, brushed himself off, hobbled to the dugout, and said to Stu Martin, Stuart, you go out to second base. When a man can't catch me on them bases when I got a 30-yard head start, boys, it's time for the old Flash to quit. And Stu Martin wasn't a regular second baseman from then on. Well, that's one vote, Dizzy, for the theory that the legs are the first to go back on an aging ball player. Yes, I guess that's the number one reason, Frank. But occasionally a man who can still run like a deer loses his batting eye or his batting power. 
You heard that story about Paul Wainer, didn't you, Frank? No, but I know I'm going to hear it. Paul was getting along in years. He had left Pittsburgh and was with the Boston Braves. They went over to Sanford, Florida to play an exhibition game. Casey Stengel was managing the club that year. While sitting on the bench, Paul Wainer t- turned to Stengel and said, uh, Case, what's that there advertising sign on the fence? And Stengel turns around kind of surprised and said, Paul, are you kidding? Can't you see that sign? And Paul said, no, Case, I can't see it. My eyes must be going back on me. Paul was still pretty clever up there at the plate, though. The way he hit plenty of them line drives, you'd never think there was nothing wrong with his, his eyes. Anyhow, Stengel asked Paul when he had noticed his eyes was going back on him, and Paul says, all the last couple of years I noticed the ball don't look as big as it used to coming up to the plate. And Stengel says, well, how does it look to you now, Paul? And Paul says, oh, it looks just about the size of a baseball. <laughs> and Stengel says, for goodness sake, how does it used to look? And Wainer says, just as serious as he can be. Casey, until just a couple of years ago, that baseball coming up to the plate looked as big as a grapefruit. <laughs> yes, no wonder he was a great hitter, Diz. In fact, there were a couple of tough hitters named Wainer. And I'll never forget what old Grover Cleveland Alexander said on a railway station platform at the end of one of his last big league seasons. The Cardinals had played their last game of the season. It was on the road. Everybody was going home, and they were talking about what they planned to do. Old Pete Alexander wasn't saying very much. One of the baseball writers asked him how he was going to pass the offseason. And Pete replied, I think I'll go home to Nebraska, get a couple of sacks of corn cobs, and practice how to pitch to those Wainer boys. Old Pete said a mouthful, Frank. It was tough pitching to them Wainers. Yeah, something like trying to find Stan Musial's weakness, eh, Diz? <laughs> oh, didn't you know, Frank? One pitcher's found how to pitch to Musial. His name is Preacher Rowe, a left-hander with a Dodger. Very interesting, Diz. And just what is Preacher Rowe's formula for stopping the Cardinal star slugger? Well, Frank, during a Cardinal-Brooklyn game the other day in St. Louis, a couple of Brooklyn pitchers was talking on the bench how they would pitch to Stan, and Rowe says, uh, I got a better plan than that, boys. The best way to pitch to Musial is to give him four straight balls, good and wide, at the plate, and then pick him off a first. <laughs> You'll never get a hit that way. That's a fine idea. Say, Diz, you answer a lot of questions on this show. Yes, sir, I sure do, and I like it. Well, that's fine, because there's another question I'd like to ask you. Are you fussy about the way your car looks? Well, nobody ain't never called me Fussy Dean, but barring that word fussy, I can tell you that there ain't nothing I like better than driving a high, shiny, pretty-looking car. Well, men, I guess we all agree with Dizzy on that. The trouble is, cleaning and polishing a car is some job. Unless, of course, you've got some Carnew stashed away in your garage. That's Johnson's Wax Fortified Carnew. Carnew makes cleaning easy because Carnew contains special ingredients that cut right through the road film that clings to the finish of your car. You know, that sticky, oily road film that water can't touch. But Johnson's Carnew does something else, too. Carnew is wax fortified, and so it polishes your car, makes it shine like a million. Just rub it on, let it dry to a white powder, and wipe it off. Your car is cleaned and polished in one easy application. Rub it on, wipe it off. That's all there is to it. You've got a car that sparkles all over. A car that you or I or Dizzy Dean would be proud to ride in. So right after this program, drop in at your dealer's or your nearest filling station and get some Johnson's Wax Fortified Carnu. That's C-A-R-N-U. Carnu your car today. And tomorrow, drive a car with a real Sunday shine. Now, Diz, could you regale us with one of your baseball stories? Yes, Frank. We were talking a while back about Casey Stingle. And it reminded me one of a story about old Case. 
It was one of those funnest characters I ever seen in baseball. And he's got a big laugh out of this one. Casey was managing the Brooklyn Dodgers, and one of his pitchers was named Boom Boom Beck. Hmm. Boom Boom got that nickname while he was playing over at Phillies in the old Baker Bowl. With that short right field and a high ten fence. The batters used to tee off on Beck now and then, and one day when they were hitting one after another against that ten fence, and each would make a loud boom, somebody said, Boom, Boom, Beck loses another. (laughs) And before you know it, Beck's nickname is Boom, Boom. Well, in the same Baker Bowl one day, Beck was pitching for the Dodgers, and the Dodgers got off to a five-run lead. But in the fifth inning, the Phillies start teeing off on Boom, Boom, and manager Casey Stingle walks out to the mound for a conference. Hack Wilson is playing right field for the Dodgers, and he's a little tired from chasing a couple of extra base hits, and he sits down in the grass to rest his feet. Meantime, Stengel decides to take Beck out of the box, and Beck doesn't like it. He's still ahead, and he wants to stay at least five innings long enough to get credit for the game if the Dodgers win. So he gets mad when Stengel wants to take him out. Beck turns around, throws the ball with all his might to right field. The ball hits that ten wall with a loud boom, and Hack Wilson thinks the game must have got started again mighty quick. He figures somebody just nicked Boom Boom for another base hit. So he jumps to his feet, races after the ball, wheels and makes one of the finest throws you ever seen, right to the home plate. And was his face red when he sees the did all that running and made that fine throw for nothing. After the game, he wanted to ring Beck's neck. <laughs> Knowing Stengel as I do, Diz, I know that if that ball game was lost, the story that he got out of it took all the sting out of being vanquished. Yep, that Stengel sure loved a joke. You heard about the time he gave the Polo Grounds fans a bird, sure enough, didn't you, Frank? No, but we can always use another Stengel story, Diz. Well, a short one, Frank. Old Case was about the end of his trail, and the fans at the Polo Grounds had started riding him. He had a couple of bad breaks in the outfield. It was long in the spring, and out in right field, Casey had seen a baby spiral just about able to fly. At the end of the inning, when it was uh, his turn at bat, first in the New York half, he caught the spower without making no fuss about it and put it in his cap. He goes to bat, the bat rack, and gets a bat and walks up to the plate. He knew what was coming all right. The fans give him the Bronx cheer, you know, one of them fooey rounds of applause. <laughs> well, Casey stepped away from the plate and made a fancy bow, taking off his cap real careful, and as he did, the little spower flew out. See what I mean, Frank? Casey give the stands the bird. Ah, yes, Diz. Casey Stangle would be just the man to turn the tables on the fans like that. Now it's time for you to turn on your wisdom for the benefit of America's youthful ballplayers. What is your advice today for young men who want to get into that big league, Dizzy Dean the coach? It's a short lesson today, Frank. We've talked about pitching and catching, outfielding and infielding. And this is a little general advice. Advice for Sandlot teams, let's call it, Frank. When a green rookie breaks into pro baseball, one of the tough things for him is to learn about playing baseball with signs. All right, let's start on the sandlot. Get together with your manager or captain. Have a meeting at somebody's house. Work out a set of signs. They can be simple. If you touch red or uh, on your uniform, you're going to try to hit and run. If you touch leather, you're going to sacrifice. Or if the coach calls you by your first name, it's a steal sign. Get yourself a set of signs, boys. And start playing like the professionals. It'll be a lot of fun. You'll be able to go through a ball game without uh, having to whisper in anybody's ear. And it'll come in handy when you hit the minor league club. If you know how to operate on the sign system, boys, you'll be a big league before you know it. Well, I can visualize a lot of weekend meetings of boys' baseball clubs, Diz. And it sounds like a lot of extra fun for the youngsters who like to play ball. 
Now for the older men who play baseball, big league baseball, what do you see in the crystal ball, Dizzy Dean, the reporter? I see three little steam shovels. And they're kind of shaky, Frank. Steam shovels and shaky. What can that mean, Jerome? It means that Billy Southworth's Braves haven't got that big, fat lead they had a couple of weeks ago, Frank. And them three little steam shovels uh, feel mighty bad about it. You know, that's what they call Mr. Louis Barini and Mr. his two partners who bought the Braves a few years ago. They're all three of them contractors. And when they started uh, working on the Braves, the newspaper men in Boston gave them that nickname, the Three Little Steam Shovels. And I imagine, Dizzy, that in the background you see in that crystal ball a few little redbirds, don't you? And they're flying in the right directions, Frank. They're climbing. And say, uh, I see another manager was fired last night. Yes, Frank, and it's the same old story. There ain't enough pennants to go around, so four National League managers get fired. Nice Johnny Noon. And I guess a sore arm done it. Now, wait a minute. A sore arm? I didn't know that managers got sore arms. It wasn't Noon that had a sore arm, Frank. Yule Blackwell got the sore arm, so Johnny Noon gets fired. You know, Frank, I hate to see a good guy like that get the gate. But it uh, give another good guy a chance. I want to wish Bucky Wallers, one of the finest gentlemen in baseball, the best of luck. And being a manager, he'll need it, Frank. Brother, I'm glad I'm a broadcaster. And, folks, we hope you'll be right back with us at this same time next week to listen to Dizzy Dean. He's brought to you by Johnson's Carnu, the wax-fortified auto polish that cleans and polishes your car in one easy application. Carnu cleans when you rub it on, sweeps the road film right off your car, film that water won't touch. Carnu polishes when you wipe it off, makes your car prettier to look at than a ninth-inning rally. Remember, to give your car that Sunday shine, rub it on, wipe it off, is all you do with Carnu. And this is old Diz. Hope all you folks understand this time next Saturday, I'll be pitching them across again for Johnson's Carnu. This is Frank Ashen saying goodbye until next Saturday for the makers of Johnson's wax-fortified auto polish, Carnu. This program came to you from KSD St. Louis. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. All right. I hope you enjoy listening to Dizzy Dean. That was from 1948. And he was talking about Frankie Frisch, uh, one of his teammates. Uh, he was quite an interesting cat. Uh, Dizzy Dean always had some fun stuff to say. Uh, now, just to remember, you can sign up for all our updates on thisdayinbaseball.com, just right into the uh, subscribe button on the blog. Um, and you can also check out uh, other fans just like you on our forums. And I want to thank you for joining me today on the Daily Rewind. And if you enjoyed the show, my two asks are, if you can share the show or tell a friend about it, it's really going to help us grow. And secondly, subscribe to the show so every time we put out new content, you're going to know. And I would also suggest going over to our YouTube channel because if you like YouTube videos and you hang out there at all, uh, all our podcasts are on there. But we also have uh, almost 500 other videos for uh, radio broadcasts and uh, This Day in Baseball events. So it might be worth checking out. And if you have any feedback for me, uh, check me, send it right to me at tdinbb at gmail.com. That stands for This Day in Baseball at gmail.com. My name's Tom Hannon. I'm your host. I want to thank you for joining me on the Daily Rewind. Stay safe out there. 
wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, do everything that you need to do to be safe during this uh, hiatus that we're all on. And uh, I hope to be seeing you at the ballpark once it's all over. Peace.